If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Another toast. You know, we've uh, on this uh, this this stretch of of shows that we've played. You know, I, I don't. There's never been a time. I don't think. I think every other time we've been here or uh, been around in your country, we always do it on the way. We're we're uh, stitching. You know, we we do these routes where you go U.S. and you know Seattle, Vancouver, Detroit, Toronto, back and forth, and we never. Uh, We've never actually just taken the ride just along the coast and stayed on your side of the border before. It's, uh, it's been a different experience and we actually feel like uh, for the first time in our lives we're actually kind of getting a sense of your country and uh and it's a really positive thing and i'm sure we're biased because we've uh, most of the people we've met have been in this kind of relationship and and you've come to see music and we've come to play and uh but and share it with you it's been great so we're a bit biased we've met some incredibly nice people you all been very kind But as a whole, you should be very proud of our country, of your country, and I, and I can't wait till we can feel the same about ours. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and yes we are in the middle of a tour still in canada still in the canadian region by the time that you're listening to this kind of went to quebec city went to ottawa and last night if you're listening to this on wednesday they were in hamilton we could have put this out on tuesday but i think we needed some time to work on it so we did Hamilton for Wednesday, kind of an after-the-fact sort of deal. After you heard the actual show, now you get to hear the first time that they were there in Hamilton. And 
I just want to say this right off the top. At the time that we're recording this, we only have one show in the bank, and that's the Quebec City show, obviously. We have not heard Ottawa. We have not heard Hamilton. Of course we haven't, because that would be an insane edit situation to have the Hamilton show that was supposed to be last night, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, and then it would be too tight of an edit turnaround. And like, you guys understand that. So yes, we have only one show on our belt, so we won't get into much of the show, but I want to get into some of the plans that are happening because after this episode airs, obviously there will be shows to go to and things to do and all of that. So we're going to touch up on all of it and talk about a really, really fun Hamilton show from 2005 when they first started doing that big, long Canadian tour. It was basically the first of its kind where they went to all of these small little places in Canada like Hamilton, Halifax, St. John's, Saskatoon, and a lot of other places kind of in between and around. So let's get right into it. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, I was going to make a joke about, oh man, isn't it crazy that they've opened up with Dirty Frank at the last three shows and like they did all of Lost Dogs in full in Ottawa, but like, yeah, no, we, we don't have anything to go on, but, uh, you just perked up a lot of ears though. Sure did. You know, if you're on Patreon, you'll, you, you'll have gotten our instant reaction episodes, which you'll get our breakdown of everything that happens. So if that's what you're looking for. Then that's there for you. But this is a real good one. This Canadian leg in 2005 is very underrated as far as historical tour legs go. I think all in all, this would be in the, probably the top five of at least from from 2000 on. I mean, there's some very, very good shows. And obviously, we had Jason Lung on last year, who was there, went to all of them, wrote the book about it, The All-Encompassing Trip, and kind of documented his his story of going through it and kind of tells the story of these kind of small towns in Canada. It's cool that they're hitting those back up this year, some of them, because it kind of brings it back into our memory a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a small little one. And obviously you have the big city in Toronto, which they're always going to go to if they are going to Canada. But yeah, it it is nice that they're going back to some of these other ones and Hamilton, especially because Hamilton hadn't been played since the shortened version of the 2005 tour that was in 2011. And that was a very good show too. But doing Ottawa and Quebec City, it's different. Like they could have gone and done Montreal and Toronto and, and there were tours And Ed brought this up in a show where he said that they had never really done the full Canadian thing, as we know. But what they had done is if they were in Seattle, they'd drive up and do Vancouver. If they were in Detroit, they would drive up and do Toronto and then work their way to Montreal and kind of work that way, you know, the big cities. But this was really the first time that they kind of took the dive, you know, into Canada, worked in places like Edmonton and Calgary and just worked these places that honestly, I don't think... Uh, that many bands go to a lot of these places thinking Saskatoon type places, but mm-hmm. they, they in some of these places never showed up again. So, you know, it is special, especially for Canadians that they do have something like this that they can hold on to. And we know that, you know, the Canadians love them. They love the Canadians. And this was really their first way of kind of getting associated with them and kind of learning who they are. And Ed Wood mentioned in the show where he said, like, you know, now we're driving on the coast, we're driving on the line, and we really get to appreciate how beautiful this country is. 
And yeah, like that's that's something that I feel like they've been able to do with just about every country that they've been in. You know, Europe because everything is so on top of each other in Europe, and obviously in in the U.S. And then later, which would be later in 2005, they finally got the chance to take uh, South America on. I feel like almost more than playing spots that are like the key spots that they go to every single time. I think they love going somewhere new. They love to see what the fan reaction is. Honestly, a place like Hamilton, maybe they were thinking in 2020 when they were putting this together that, okay, we remember those two Hamilton shows and they haven't gotten anything for a while. So it's time for a return. And you know what? They're right. Yeah, hopefully we'll be talking about a good show there. But the podcast is in kind of a little bit of a Canadian renaissance, too, because it was kind of a, a running joke for a long time that we we hadn't really done a lot of Canadian shows. But this no. is the this is the fourth one in the last couple of months that we've done. So we're kind of on our own little jaunt around the Great White North, as they say. Well, yeah, and I, I think we should kind of go back on a little bit of history with this because very early on, it was actually the first time that Patrick Bogle joined the show back when Matt was a co-host, and we did the Ottawa 2005 show, and for about two years, that stood alone as the only Canadian show we did until doing the binaural full show from Toronto in 2016. That was like one of the last stops, maybe the last stop that we did on our little around the world series that that we did in, in 2020. And after that, I think we made the promise that we were saying, all right, Canada, you, you guys deserve it. You guys deserve more. And I think we've kind of cherry-picked at some Toronto shows. We did the first Saskatoon one in 05. We did little bits and pieces here and there. But, yeah, I think that for any Canadian that's really been into this and, and wants to hear more Canadian shows, the shows that obviously are e- easiest to go to for them, then, yeah, this is right in your wheelhouse. We did Mudfest, and then we did Saskatoon from 2011, and then we did, obviously, Quebec City last week, preparing for that show, the one that we actually know what happened during, and then this in Hamilton. So, yeah, you guys have gotten your fill, and you know what? You deserve it. All right, before we get into talking a little bit about the show itself, let's just kind of talk about what's happening in the next week for us on tour. And we've been mentioning it a little bit here and there, but at this point, if you are listening to this on Wednesday, Toronto being the next day, I just want to say this, you guys, it is my birthday. It is my birthday on the Toronto show. I've never been to a Pearl Jam show on my birthday before, so I'm really looking forward to this. And I really haven't set anything up. I don't know where we're going or anything like that. However, I would just love to see anybody that is free and available to meet up. That's all I ask. And, you know, get in touch on social media. You guys know where the social media is. Or send an email to live on 4 Podcast at gmail.com. Just get in touch and we can figure this out and we'll figure out kind of a landing spot just want to be able to see everybody that's it like no big deal i don't want anybody singing happy birthday to me or anything i just want uh, going by myself no, no, and meeting he, he a, does if you see him do it he does no 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 i'm, I'm like anti-birthday <laughs> I, like I, i'm fine if my family gets me presents or something like that but mm-hmm. no I, I, i'm no 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 i think it's embarrassing to have somebody sing happy birthday to you in public i think that's embarrassing but I just kind of, <laughs> I just well, you know kind of spark that on fire. The show. You, you I, I just spark some fire. So mm-hmm. obviously, 
it's going to happen and, and everybody's going to get on video. Ah, the Live Before Legs guy got embarrassed because it was his birthday. But no, we're just going to have a fun time. Just enjoy, get drinks, whatever, get dinner, whatever. So I just want people to be able to meet up with me and a couple other people that have been involved with Live on Four Legs and some of the you know people that have contributed to the website as well that are going to be there. And then after that, I'm making a grueling drive uh, the, the next day all the way from Toronto back down to Connecticut so I get like five hours of sleep before taking the train in and going to hang out at the Apollo and maybe get a ticket somehow. And look, if a friend of yours drops, if you were one of the lucky ones to get a ticket and a friend of yours drops, I'm raising my hand right here. You, you heard the birthday thing? Like, that would be the ultimate birthday. I would never need a birthday present again. Like, that's it. That's it. Done. Said and done. So, you know, I, not getting in at this point, trying. Let's see what happens. If they were nice enough to kind of open up the gate to more people, doubt it's going to happen. But, well, I will be there. I will be there until we're kind of shoot away. So, and that obviously leads into MSG. And that's the one I want to talk about the most because we talked about on the podcast, we've talked about it a lot on social media that we've been doing the breath campaign because it's been 24 years to the date on that day, September 11th, which you hear September 11th and you think other things, obviously, but it is a very important day in Pearl Jam history too. And, you know, for people that were there, want to relive that moment. And also for people that might not know the history of it, because there's enough there are, are enough people that don't really know what happened there. And, you know, the people like John and I who just weren't able to attend something like that, you know, they're all over the place. So we just want to give people the opportunity to relive something really cool, relive something really powerful, and also have the band, you know, get to see this kind of recreated in front of their eyes. And I'll be all over the city, all over GA line, all over the merch line, handing out breath signs to whoever I see. So make sure that you find me, make sure you get in touch. And at four o'clock on Sunday, we will be doing a little meetup at Slattery's Midtown Pub. And that's about a 10 minute walk, maybe even less than 10 minute walk from the garden. So it's a really cool bar. They're going to have the whole upstairs ready for us. We're going to have Pearl Jam music on. We're going to have on TV. And the bar owner actually said that we get to name a shot after something. And I have dubbed the shot in honor of the day, in honor of the memory and what we're trying to recreate. I've named the shot a breath and a scream. So I think that's appropriate for that, but I haven't picked out what we're going to do. I'm thinking something like fireball, something like that, but I am still open to ideas. I've been gathering a couple of them. So if you have something, if, if you're going and, and you want to see us all do a shot, because honestly it is happy hour and your first drink does get a free shot. So that is going to excite a lot of people and yeah, it's going to be fun. And I, a lot of people have responded that they're coming and I have no idea what to expect from it. So if you head on over, I guarantee that no matter what happens, it's going to be a really fun time. And when we put next week's episode out, it will be the day of the Jersey Camden show. And we will obviously be in the parking lot somewhere for that because of a couple episodes where you got to hear the Jersey faithful tailgate story. And yes, we will be somewhere in the parking lot. Just look for us. I'll, I'll try to drop a pin or something like that on socials so people can find us. 
and there will be a huge live on four legs flag somewhere so you'll be able to see that and hopefully we get to all meet up and we'll we'll grill we'll drink we'll have fun it'll be a good time that's all great stuff and honestly the, the msg stuff yeah just make sure if, if you want to be in on it we're gonna have tons of signs there have been there have been people that have decided to donate some signs that have gone and that will be printing them out their own. So if that's something that you want to help and do, please, by all means, that would be very, very helpful and very, very nice of you. Um, and I will have literally about 5,000 signs. I will say that I'm going to have a ton. So find me, take a bunch, pass around your section. And yeah, we'll be good to go. So hopefully it's pretty big and hopefully everybody kind of gets the gist and shows the band that we love their history, obviously. So, all right, that's all of the preparation for the show stuff for the next week or so. And now we get to talk about a show that happened, oh, a good 17 years ago. Is my math right on that? Yes, it is. There was a preset. And the preset song was Throw Your Arms Around Me. And this is pretty common for 2005. I think they were, he was doing it just about every night. You know, Slater Kenny's opening up for them on this show and most of this tour. So Ed wanted to go out and get everybody to watch Slater Kenny. And the preset song here is Throw Your Arms Around Me, which is fantastic. Always welcome whenever it shows up. Yeah, like every time I hear it, I'm like, this is just one of the best covers that they do that, that he does. And yeah, not a bad thing to say about it. I mean, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like Ed loves Sleater Kenny at this point. I'm sure he still does. And he's trying to get butts and seats to watch them play for good reasons. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah, and obviously going back to the West Coast where he did it for Josh. And from what we know right now, he didn't do it in Quebec City, but who knows? Like, I have a feeling he's not going to be doing it this tour because of the voice thing, and, and one yeah. extra song yeah. is, is definitely going to take its toll on him. So I wonder if he's just going to let Josh go out there or what's going to happen. Who, who knows? I would still say get to the show early. I would still say get to the show early to, to support Josh, if anything else. So, okay, I'm reading the set list here, and I'm seeing that there is a huge mistake I don't know why this happened, but apparently they put the end of the main set at the top. And I'm not sure how they did that. Uh, there must be, I have to talk to Dave, like there must be a bug in live footsteps or something. Are you getting the same thing as I'm getting? Because this yeah, is weird. Just, this can't be right. No. What is it? It says that Porch is the opener, but that, that hasn't bullshit. happened since 1992. That's, that's impossible. Yeah, no, 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 no. That that didn't happen. I think I think we have to go on. Uh, save you as the opener into spin a black circle and animal. Am I right? Oh wait, I'm I'm hearing in my ear from our producer. Um, no, that can't be true. Porch, really? What the fuck is this world running to again? Leave a message at least I Cuddling your voice one last time Daily my feelings could Be my time by you Would you hit me? Would you hit me?
did get kind of a throwback a little bit in Krakow, where they played it second after sometimes, and I think a lot of people were really surprised at that point, because this whole entire, every, and I make the joke every single time, like, main set, porch closer is an inevitable, a guarantee, you're almost never going to get anything else. And it's been like that since probably 2013 or so. Maybe even earlier than that. But it's every single night. And in this time, in 2005, what's so intriguing about this tour, more so than them playing all these Canadian places that they never played before, is that, like, setless rules are out the window. The, the songs that are usually open with might get thrown in later in the set. The songs that are later in the set, obviously right here. It's Porsche and it's an opener. And it surprises a lot of people, and that's because the intro for it is the Slow Porch intro. The Slow Porch intro started happening around this time. And I think probably it's fair to say that it was 2005 where it started happening, maybe 2004 a little bit, but this era for sure. When he's doing that little bit, like the crowd's just kind of, okay, all right, follow along, let's, let's see what they got here. They probably don't have the bootleg accessibility that we do now where we can just go on YouTube and there it is. Or, you know, we're all on social media. We all kind of know what the set list is. If you, if you follow the Pearl Jam podcast community group, we do it live every single time there's a show. But this happens. And once he starts singing the what the fuck is this world line, you start to hear the crowd go and they're like, oh, whoa. And you hear some individual people like, really? What? And it's just, it's kind of cool to see it all kind of develop like that. And it's really hard to do Porch as an opener and do it as an eight minute song. I think that it's almost impossible to have that happen. So it's not that, but oh boy, like that has to get you excited and fired up from the start. I think it would have been cool if to open the show, you just go one, two, three, four and go. I think that would have been just like a punch in the face. And that's something that they did do in 1992. But you're right. In 2005, they were just throwing things against the wall. And it's really the first time in their history that they were just touring just to tour and not like supporting an album. Because, you know, up until Riot Act, the albums were coming pretty fast and furious every other year. And here they are in 2005. It's been three years since Riot X release. And so they're just going out to play shows to play shows. And, you know, they even mentioned it might be a while. We're working on a new record right now. We're going to go back and get in the bunker and, and get it done. But yeah, Porch as an opener in 2005 is like, it just would have just scrambled your brain. Like, wait, what's happening? Especially, you know, for the people who are kind of following this around and new, it just would have been like, just, okay, well, this is one of those times like, well, this show's completely off the rails right away. Like, what the hell are they going to do? Right. But you are right. It's not a long eight-minute version. I think it clocks in about four and a half, maybe a little closer to five minutes. But I think that helps it. I think it's a little more focused. It's a little faster. The jam is really cool because I think they're trying to cram all of that eight minutes into two. I really like this. I think it set the tone for a interesting set list and a really good night. I'll go ahead and spoil it. This set list is unbelievable, at least in the main set. Like, I'm looking at this and like these are almost all of my favorite songs that we're going to talk about in this main right. set. I, I think this is amazing. So, yeah, great way to start it off. For those of you keeping score at home, 
Porch has only been opened with six times. That's it. Just six. Always something unique to go in with this set. And there's a lot of unique stuff in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, everywhere in the set. You said it. It's like a who's who of fantastic songs. Like stuff in my top 10, stuff in my top 25. It comes close to having almost everything in my top list. It's it's pretty incredible. And it's fan service. They know that, okay, the fans, they don't get to hear this song a lot. They want to hear the rare ones. They want to hear the stuff that is not the hits off the record. And I see kind of this little section right now kind of being that, you know, save you, spin a black circle animal, given a fly. It doesn't feel like you're playing every single hit at the beginning, but these are the great punk rock songs, you know, given a fly, notwithstanding that everybody loves hearing at every single show. Nobody in the right mind have I ever heard say, Save You or Spin a Black Circle or Animal. I've gotten tired of those. Find me somebody. Sure. And I think a lot of times we talk about how a release opener or a long road opener or a wash opener, that energy will rub off on the next couple of songs. They'll kind of ride that wave and it'll make the next few kind of ride that wave and, and be buoyed by it. Like they're better for it. The Porch does that to the next three here in a different way. They are just jacked up for Save You and Spin the Black Circle, especially. There's a part in Animal, especially, I think there's that little break that Stone has where the song kind of like right before it kicks in at the end, there's that little bit of break, a little bit of a bridge there. And the surge after that where, where Stone comes back in and they kick into that song, like it's one of the best animals in the 2000s I've heard it probably you know going back to some of those early 90s version it parallels those these three songs are just furious and i think that that version of porch definitely aided this yeah and you know what like you kind of think of these songs and you kind of think of especially in this era and when they've done these kind of sets a lot they would play these at like lightning fast speed it wasn't like all three of these songs kind of had a pocket kind of had a groove to it especially spin the black circle i thought was like the biggest surprise out of three of these that just felt like you were able to kind of bounce with it instead of more of like a sweat driven one and good good stone night it was you can hear it in the bootleg like that 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 right guitar is just on point like yeah i definitely noticed that in these that stone was like right in that groove and, and leading the way it absolutely shows on these three and ed of course his his voice is fantastic in 2005 all three of these songs have pretty intense vocals on them so he hits everything and they just feel exactly like that pearl jam comfort food that you go for to see these songs with fantastic love this section and then uh, Give It a Fly happens right after that. And I, I thought that that was a perfect balance to kind of follow that up before Ed would go to speak, that you kind of get something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more anthemic, and get the crowd in on it too. Because the crowd had a big moment on Animal, and I think the crowd is really ready to be part of this show, which is going to be a great storyline as well. In between, I believe, like the first chorus and second verse, like they just have this eruption moment. They just start clapping, they just start celebrating, kind of clapping their hands along, and it sounded fantastic. And you also hear there's a, a change in the lyrics a little bit where Ed says, The faceless man fuckers, they're all in the back. So I think he's probably pointing out to all the people in the back over there as he loves to do. Really good stuff. Loved it. 
Ed here says, good evening, Hamilton. Glad you can make it. Big Eddie Chance follows that. And the only way he responds is what he usually responds with and says, I wish I knew you all by name as well, but a toast to you all. Okay. Toasts. Keep that in mind. <laughs> Keep that in mind. I think if you're a fan of toasts, this is the uh, this is the show for you. We got rye, we got wheat, we got Wonder Bread. We we can even toast bagels, whatever you'd like. English from muffins. We it, got it all covered. Yep, it's every single time he makes a speech has a freaking toast on it, and it'll be kind of fun to see how it all unravels especially towards the end where i think there were probably one or two too many toasts but very fun kind of getting the crowd involved with that and then afterwards he mentions a surfer named laird hamilton which obviously got him thinking because they're in hamilton and he said let's send him a tape everybody say hello larry and this being our sixth show in seven days you know they're, yeah, they're, that's a that. lot that's imagine a lot that for them nowadays mm-hmm. i mean we're getting three in a row that's, right. that's going to be insane. But yeah, back then too, like they were doing some hard work there. So mentions, hopefully our goal at the end of the day is for you to be as worn out as we are. And that gets you into a little deep cut section here. As I mentioned before, the lost dogs are loose and it's sad going into you. And both songs are fantastic and fantastic live. But you kind of mentioned before that 2005 really doesn't have an album that's attached to it. doesn't have promotion, but in a way, I, I disagree a little bit because I, I feel like it's kind of if there's anything that attaches to it, it's like the Lost Dogs tour in a way, because they do a lot of these songs that they almost never bust out. You have to go back to the, to the Gorge where they did Hard to Imagine. And then a little bit after this, I believe like two, two nights after this, they did Don't Give Me No Lip for the first time in Ottawa. And they're mixing in for the first time a lot of these new Lost Dog songs. Undone, I believe, got debuted or played for the second time in <laughs> the Gorge too. So sad. Only the eighth time being played. I think it got played a little bit on the 2004 Vote for Change circuit over there. And then you, you had barely been in the set. You know, going back to 2000, they kind of dabbled with it a little bit, having to download the MP3 and all that. Then they bring it back here. It's only the 12th time it's been played. And, and that's half of the times going back to what we have now, which is 24. This is just good stuff. They're both phenomenal songs and sad's version is excellent and you know i could go off about how ed's vocals felt really vulnerable and he really kind of digs into that emotional pressure on it and then on you i think he's able to kind of switch it up a little bit get a little bouncy get a little happy with it and then it's almost deceptive how good that jam ending is on the end of you like it's oh yeah you think of this and we've talked about it before it kind of feels has the feel of a pop song but I don't think pop songs have something like this. That's where it separates itself. Definitely. I even think, and I, I love Sad just as much as, as you do. You know, it's one of the great underrated songs. But I think You steals the show here. This might be the best version of You that I've ever heard. It was super upbeat. Like, a lot of versions sound a little more sparse and a little tentative. But this one felt like they were on the front foot. They had just played it a couple weeks prior. So they were a little bit fresh with it. This sounded full, sounded like they practiced it, Ed's into it, he's getting into the vocals. And yeah, like I was gonna get that jam at the end, I think it's fantastic. I'm gonna go on record, I think this is the best performance of you I've ever heard. 
how about this? There are only 24 versions of them, so put it on the list. Let's see it evolve over time. What do you guys think about that? When we get to the evolution of you, that we will definitely talk about this one again. The evolution of who? The evolution of uh-huh. you referring uh-huh. to you or you doing referring there. to me? See what you're doing there. Uh-huh. A little bit of Abbott and Costello that we have going on here. All right. Ed definitely enjoys what he sees after the dog says, we got some real fans out here tonight, and that's good to see. These are songs that they almost never hear. They've almost never played before. So fans very excited to get them. They've had a couple of years with the Lost Dogs now. So, yeah, they're, they're real hyped on them. And now we get a couple that we're pretty used to. It's Corduroy, Half Full, off the last actual record being Ride Act, and then Daughter. Very good section, some stuff to talk about here. Corduroy has a lot of tension building up, and I was hearing in my right ear, I was hearing Stone, and I was kind of hearing him prepare for something. I'm almost like, hmm, is Stone going to be the one that solos on this? Because he's really kind of gearing towards doing it, and then it shifts over, and of course it's Mike Solo, but a little bit of a tease from Stone there. Stone is like that. He's 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 sneaky like that. But the story on Corduroy for me is is Matt fucking Cameron. At the end, he starts just going off on stuff that we have not heard before from him on this. And there's some great fills. There's some great little ads on stuff that he's doing. That really stuck out to me. And on Corduroy at the end was listening to Cameron just pounding on the drums. It was really really good. Cameron had some impressive moments on this night. Absolutely. What I was listening for in Half Full was a little bit of Mr. Boom Gaspar over some of Mike's stuff in the solo. I was very impressed. This is one of two songs that I was extremely impressed with Boom on. Maybe because you just don't get to pay attention to him on Half Full at all. You kind of hear what he's doing. You're like, oh, okay, that adds in sort of a new template for it. You always think of the bluesy aspect and the mic solo that that happens in this and everything else is just kind of in a way a little bit secondary then you hear boom come in and you're like okay there are a lot of different pieces that are happening here and it's it's very good it was great the solo section on half full is always a highlight you also get the you know in case you forgot you were in 2005 you get the george bush reference oh yes and i like ed screams the yeah fuck them that was nice to hear half full's got some weight behind it Daughter's going to close out this little section, and in the tag is going to be a double Ramones tag in here from Blitzkrieg Bop, just getting the crowd responding back and forth with a little bit of call and response, and then a little tag of I Believe in Miracles, which has happened before, but it doesn't happen very often. And I bring this up because you have to think of what was happening a year ago around this date. It is 363 days since the passing of Johnny Ramone, who was obviously a very, very close friend of Ed's. So it's on his mind. He's thinking about it. I know that as part of his last couple days alive, Ed was spending a lot of time with him. So maybe it was a thing where it was a tribute to him. It could have been the last day that he saw him a year to that date. So just a nice correlation with it. And obviously, you know, anytime that we get to honor the Ramones on this podcast, we're all for it. And we know that they were working on the Avocado record. A lot of that stuff came out of that as well. You know, stuff like Come Back and things like that. So that was probably on his mind Life as Wasted well. was another one yep. too. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Lucan into Insignificance. Have you ever heard this transition before? It was fantastic. Lucan, it's a bulldozing version of it. It's, it's one where you get, obviously, the as fast as they can go and just revving it up as much as they can. But it feel like at the end... 
he actually hits every lyric, which is very, very rare. After Looking Was Over, I was like, that couldn't have been longer than 30 seconds. <laughs> right? Um, but it, I think it ended up being like 51 or something. But yeah, it just felt obliteratingly fast. But yeah, lyrics, yeah, he got to all of them, sort of, but it's there to serve the purpose of being played as fast as possible and getting into the next one. So to get everybody revved up again after Daughter does the job. That's a cool transition into Insignificance because they're two totally different songs. You know, the balance between the two of them, something that I don't think I've thought of before because when you think of transitions with the song, you think of Not For You. Not For You and Lucan, like not the exact same, but it's very four-chordy, three-chordy kind of stuff. And Insignificance is a lot more paced out. It's a lot more drawn out. It works perfectly because I think that it's almost sort of a misdirection in a way where fans could be listening to this and thinking, okay, maybe they are going into Not For You. Maybe they are doing something a little bit more punk rock, but it just sort of changes the tide almost immediately. And that's why this version was really, really good. And that's not the last time we're going to talk about Not For You in a show that it was not played at. This is very true. This is very true. We'll get to that in uh, well, a couple minutes or so. Time for another toast. Let's hear it for Slater Kinney opening up. This is Mike McCready out here. And right here is present tense. One of my favorite moments from this show. And I just want to take a moment to thank the guys over at Sirius XM Pearl Jam Radio. They did the little fan top 31 this past weekend. And I was invited on by good friend and hallucinogenic recipe co-host Brian Horowitz to help out and introduce a song. And thank you to Andrew Brass from Pearl Jam Radio that that set it all up and said, yeah, sure, go ahead and do it and pick this song. And and I was able to pick present tense and told a little story on it. So very cool, really cool moment. And just very thankful that I was able to, to go on and they were happy and welcoming to have me. And present tense being one of my favorite songs, I could talk about it all day. So You know, I I feel like at this point in 2005, it's still considered more of a sneaky favorite instead of the powerful live song. It is a powerful live song, don't get me wrong with that. But I think the live song that sort of is the impression in the set, I think people are still kind of figuring it out at that point. I think we talked about that when we did the evolution, that it was really wasn't until that Letterman performance in 2006 where this finally had the worldwide appeal that the song would have this is the 61st performance and there would still be 80 more right from from there until now so it's definitely it's been played more since this show than it had been before oh just get me to the jam on this man this just you can tell that build it's just building up the tension's building up it's got some firepower on it and you can just hear ed ed saying let me see you let me see you and he's just he wants to go after this hard and I think it's a little bit of Cameron that brings in this extra effort into this and puts in, you know, a little bit more energy, a little bit more intensity and really gets this revved up. Just blown away by all angles of this.
Christian Cameron. I agree. He's adding, like you talk about the tension. Cameron's doing these little crescendos on the cymbals during the intro part. It's adding a little bit of like theatricality and presence to it. And it's giving it like another dimension that the song didn't have. And I think that adds to the tension a lot because you're feeling like it's almost like you're in a theater or something. You're seeing this story build, like the orchestra is playing it up. Yeah, I'm with you. This present tense is very, very good. Felt like they were just locked in on it. Once they got to that jam, that tension just exploded and they were able to just let loose on it. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Cohesive version. This is one of the songs where every piece needs to be in place and everybody kind of has to be synced up and everybody's kind of on their own plate and doing something. Everybody was feeding off each other in this version. That's where you get the best type of present tense and it seems like the crowd is really into it too. All right. Guys, there's another toast. So this is toast number three. This was something I mentioned earlier in the show where he says, on this stretch of shows that we've played, every other time that we've been in your country, we kind of go stitching. We go up, we go down, Vancouver to Seattle, Detroit to Toronto, and we've never just taken the ride up along the coast and stayed in your side of the border before. It's been a different experience, and for the first time in our lives, we're getting a sense of your country, and it's a real positive thing. We met some real incredible nice people. You've all been very kind. You guys are really proud about your country and hopefully someday we can say the same about ours I think there's no better song to really go into when they're saying like taking on the road and and kind of seeing the country this had to been on their minds for the last couple days that untitled being one of their famed car songs going into MFC of course that this would have to be the song this is a driving song yeah driving song eh Got some guys. Let's get out of here. Out of here. being a band for 15 years 
you probably have some thoughts of we've done it all before we've been everywhere before but it's great that they were able to keep some of these places open for this late in the game that they were able to kind of see some new territory and get to a new place yeah untitled here it almost feels like a prairie song something you know you'd be driving through like western canada or central canada on the prairie and have that going there's a line change in here that i wanted to mention because it completely changes the feel of the song he says grab the kid and come along he was a new father at this point has young kids i think that completely changes the story because now you're talking about someone with a family and like that made me sit down like oh man because like you and i both have young kids it's like the meaning of this song is changing at this point you know in retrospect there's something bigger to it because that all came to fruition what he was saying right there times that they've been in europe times that they've been around the country his family has followed him around. And I think a lot of the other band too, we've always seen Ray Cameron go out on stage, whether he's happy about it or not. And some other wives and children of the band. I think Boom's son was at a couple shows. I think that's a great tie-in because at that time, obviously Olivia's very young and now she just graduated high school. She's going to college to kind of see what he was thinking about then. And the thing on his mind is like, I can't wait to show her everything. It's just great when you can kind of celebrate those moments being out in places that you never expect and you're not used to and things like that. And yeah, kids are going to remember that for the rest of their lives. That's for sure. I actually loved an MFC, the fuck it again. Feels like it's been a long time since we've actually acknowledged the Nas because maybe the last couple of MFCs have had other things that have been really good, but now is a good time to get our obsession of the Nas out there. There's going to be some good ones next week, too. For a lot of new listeners of the podcast, they might not know about the history of us gnawing, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, what what we've we've come to learn, I think it started off as like you thought it was going to be like a one-time only thing, but we've we've come to learn that he just does it every every time. Yeah, it's every night. Yeah. Jeremy is into Better Man. We get some great crowd moments in both of these songs. The crowd moments are not going to be the big talking point of one of these songs, but it's good to mention it anyway. Ed kind of screams out at the end of Jeremy, says, you sing it, and then everybody does all the ooh And, you know, Ed, here's another toast to the good singers of Hamilton, giving way for them to do Better Man too. I don't know if Ed flubbed something in Better Man or what, because the crowd doesn't quite start off on the right footing, but Ed kind of guides them along for a second or two and lets them finish it out, and I thought that that was a really cool moment for him to do that. He just flubbed the little guitar part at the beginning, and it kind of threw everyone off. But yeah, he got back on in that, yeah, like you mentioned, the crowd takes that entire intro part almost without prompting because sometimes they'll do that but he'll have to come in and help him out a little bit right like pick everybody back up he'll throw in a couple of lines but he doesn't do that here he steps back in and lets them take it and twice in jeremy he gives it to the crowd and says you take it but yeah with the story in better man we got to get to is the tag here 
for the only the second time ever and for all we know right now it's the last time that they've ever tagged modern girl yes it modern is. girl yep. at the end of better man The beginning of this and obviously them being on tour with Slater Kinney and, and hearing the song every night, I'm sure, I believe the woods came out around that time, that Modern Girl, it got some play, if I remember correctly. I think it was on the radio a little bit. So everybody's hearing the song. It's very catchy. It's bubbly and all that. It's not quite what Slater Kinney even is. And he brings it into Better Man, not the way that you would get Save It For Later, but the way that maybe he used to do Save It For Later back in like 96, 98, where it would just be during the fast part of the song's ending where he's just kind of screaming it. It's, it's the same way like here. It's a porch tag or something, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, right. Very similar to that. But also he goes the extra mile because he's singing a little bit of the verses. The My Baby Loves Me, I'm So Happy. He's singing some of that too, yep. which he's never done on Not For You tags. Actually, the first time they did this was the previous night in, right. uh, I believe it was London, London that they Ontario, debuted right. it, and they did it here, and then two shows later, a few days later, it would switch to Not For You, and then it took off on Not For You, and that was where it kind of found its home. So yeah, just these two shows, the night before and this one, that you get Modern Girl and Better Man, but... I like it. I mean, it doesn't have the melody, the melodic part that Not For You does, but it's still cool to hear. I mean, Modern Girl is a great song, so... You can tell he wants to get it in somewhere, and he's trying it out and can't get it the way he wants it. So he, he went back to the drawing board, reworked it, and came back with something better. It wouldn't take long because it was the Ottawa show. That was two shows yeah. later. But, boy, it's such a rare moment. I don't know the next time that we're going to get to that London, Ontario show that happened the night before this. But something like this that is just barely even a footnote in Pearl Jam that's why we're here, guys, because we love nerding out to shit like this. And I hate using that term nerding out, but this is the kind of thing that I guess it's appropriate for. We're going to end the set with rear view freaking mirror and just all bow to the, our beloved Stone Gossard here and the way that he is just capturing this 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 bridge. And this bridge has so many nice little pieces. It's, it's almost like... There are three little songs and three little sections that you can take out of this that it's, it's basically becoming their own song. It's something different that I don't think we've really had because Cameron is, is changing things up and kind of going with more of a rolling beat in there. And then everybody hears that and everybody sort of changes pace on that. And then a little bit later, they kind of change pace on something else. And, and that sounds really good too. But I mean... 
it's River Mirror, so like it's just another great version of River Mirror, right? Yep, chalk it up, add it to the list, but another day in the life. Yeah, oh Cameron again, very impressive on this and like we talked about him on, on Corduroy and Present Tense and this is another one where he was very, very impressive. I thought, you know, normally he'll kinda step back and let that jam kinda happen and then find a spot and then go for it. But here he is the one out in front, like I'm going to keep this beat going and I'm going to keep this tempo going and you guys are going to have to keep up with me. You know, it's a little different way of going about it, but he can handle it for sure. Yeah, again, I'm just listening to this thinking like very impressed by what Cameron was doing here. Had a very good night. And like I mentioned with Stone before, just the constant buzzing of his guitar, it worked so well on this and it really defined the sound of the song, I thought. All right, Encore here, pausing for station identification to talk a little bit about what's going on over on our exclusive platform. And also, look, we have a lot of things to celebrate this time of year when we're talking about our show and we're talking about, you know, anniversaries and things. And I just want to, I totally forgot to mention this in the beginning, but the day that this is out, September 7th, is the four-year anniversary of episode number one. Fenway Night 1 from 2018. So I just wanted to throw that out there and kind of, you know, throw the confetti and say, uh, hooray. And yeah. very cool that, you know, this is episode number 198 right here. We're coming super, super close. In two weeks, we're, we're getting to 200. And I, I've dropped a little bit of hints on what 200 was going to be. And I think some of you that are in the know definitely know what it's going to be at this point. But 200 is, is going to be a really a nice milestone for us. And it feels like we're just hitting a bunch of them, you know, from August, like, 22nd every year to about this time like we can celebrate so many different things from the website being developed to the birthday the anniversary and then in two years i guess we're going to hit 300 around this time as well they're going to start coming fast and furious the milestones yeah right exactly just a lot of things to celebrate we can't be any more thankful for it but as we've also mentioned we have a little bit of a goal that we want to get to and you know as we're touring and stuff like that we'll we'll see how it develops and we'll see if it all works out but we are aiming for 200 patrons by our 200th episode and that means if you want to help out with a little bit of our funding to help out the podcast, to help out a little bit of our tour expenses and helping out with car rides and helping out with gas and helping out with food a little bit. So we're able to come back to you and bring you the stories from the road and some of our perspective from these shows. I don't think we're able to do that without you guys. So like a dollar a month. whatever that you want to contribute to that just helps everything. And then we are always working hard to just get you more and more and more. And this is the perfect time of year. Obviously they're, they're back on for their third leg of the tour here that we get to every single night after they do their shows. Cause remember we're on East coast time. Now the next day we have a reaction episode out instant. It's literally, we recorded the last one which is not the last show, but you you get my drift. We recorded that at midnight, which was 45 minutes after the show ended. So you can't get more instant than that. All of those that happened in Europe, that happened on the West Coast, all of our instant reaction episodes are up. At this point, the Hamilton episode will be up, and the Ottawa episode will be up too. So you'll have those to go back on. And then the next reaction episode is going to be Toronto. 
and I'll actually be on scene after the show ends and I'll be talking to to John who will be back in Atlanta and we'll kind of be exchanging notes that way from what he saw, what he heard. And obviously from being in the building and what was happening on over there, I'll have a, a very unique perspective on it, of course. And I'll be so excited not getting Sacramento and Vegas back in May definitely makes this one more enticing and more intriguing and, and just I'm ready for it. You know, it's, it's been a long time coming. So that being on the, on my birthday helps out a lot too, but Hey, look, head on over to Patreon. If you want to listen to these, because honestly, it's about getting that content. If you're really feeling the band right now, if you really loving the tour and you can't get enough of it, you're following us on social media. Like it's worth it to head over. Just give it a check. I wish that some point I'd be able to give out free trials to Patreon. They don't offer that service now, but I took some sort of survey that asked me if I wanted to do that. I'm like, of course. Yeah. I want people to see that they like our content before contributing to us because it, you know, for some people it's, it's a big deal. So, you know, if, if that's something that you are interested in, look, we have evolution episodes. We posted a couple weeks ago, the rear view mirror evolution episode that we did a couple years ago as kind of a, a primer for, you know, if you are interested in this series, like you'll get that and more of it, lots more of it, 18 episodes over on Patreon. So there is the dollar bonus leg tier. If you want to donate a dollar a month, Hey, we love you for that. And you get a shout out on the show. You get every exclusive episode and you'll get to be part of the community as well. We'll get back to doing some more community based things. Once the tour ends, we'll figure out stuff to do for everybody as well. And you'll be able to get to be a part of all that. And if you want to chip in a little bit more, the giggle egg tier is $5 a month where you will get to select an episode for us to cover in the future. And that can be anything that you'd like with a couple of restrictions there, but not too many. We will work it out. We will work something out. All we want is a good story. The best ones come from the most underrated shows. So kind of think about that when you're thinking about a show that you want to request. And then the Horizon Leg tier, which is $10 a month, that funding goes into our website, helps out for what we're doing over there. That will get you a profile on the website. It'll get you a profile episode. Your request for an episode will kind of get bumped up a little bit if you decide to, to donate to, to that tier. So we're just really excited to, to bring you guys that sort of content and kind of get your stories in because honestly, we're sitting here, we're talking about this Hamilton show and neither of us were there, but you know, you request a show that you were there and we'll get more of a feel for the atmosphere that happened that night. And I think that's the best thing about that. So to join patreon.com slash live on four legs or download the Patreon app live on four legs. That's all you need to search over there or live on four legs.com. And we have a button on every page. It's orange. It says become a patron. Not much more than that. So anybody interested, help us get to 200 and we will be eternally grateful for you. So thank you so much for those who continue to do it. And anybody that's thinking about in the future, hop aboard. We love you for that. All right, let's get into thanking a few patrons that have joined up this week. And as we work towards our 200 for 200, uh, another nice showing. And thank you for everybody that did. The first person we have to thank. Oh, boy, this is like a prank or something like that. Remember a couple weeks ago when we got William Wallace to join? Yep. <laughs> Braveheart joined Patreon, essentially. So this week we have stoned 
Gossard that joined Patreon. <laughs> Stone, I know that's you. You don't you don't have to disguise your your first name there. We we know it's you. I mean, if you were to use an, uh, another moniker, isn't it Carpenter Newton, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, this one might be Jeff. This one might be Jeff. Okay. I'm going to think of it. But I've actually seen Stoned on Twitter before, I believe, because I remember that that handle, because the handle is Stoned Gossard. So if it's the same person, then uh, yeah, thank yeah. you so much for yep. uh, joining up on the Gigalike. That was great. And we also, like, we speaking of Canadian stuff today, we want to thank Shane Carlson, who comes from Canada, and he must be loving these reaction episodes that have been coming out with all the Canadian shows. So thank you very much for subscribing and donating for all of that. And we got a new one just today. We got two new ones just today. Thank you to Alex Gray for joining the bonus leg and thank you to Debbie Strozer who joined the bonus leg as well. It's just a dollar a month. You guys, that's easy as that. All right, back to the rock. We have a pretty good encore one and a pretty good encore two that follows that. Ed says, is this a toast? He doesn't really say toast here, but he says to donuts and coffee in Hamilton. Is it a toast? Oh, it is. Mm, yeah. yeah. Cause he said it's two something. So, all right, well, right, we'll we'll let it stand. There are big Let Stone sing chants here. It doesn't happen at this one, but Ottawa, keep your ears open. If you want to stick around, we'll play some more songs. It's kind of a special occasion. Huddled away in Seattle. We're on tour now, making a new record, and it's going to be really good. That's at least what Jeff says. So let's have a toast to Jeff Amen. There have been some newspapers writing stories on us saying that we've hired a keyboard player, but they never mentioned his name and gives a little shout out to Boom after that. And we're getting a little bit of a duo from Riot Act here. Back to back, Thumbing My Way and I Am Mine are going to start this encore out. This is where this gets a little weird because it felt like Thumbing My Way was a little more sparse than it usually is. And it felt like someone was in the wrong tuning or someone was playing it in a different key. Maybe someone had the wrong guitar. It just felt a little weird and a little off. And same with I am mine as well. And even a little bit into, into what comes after that. But these two felt like they didn't have the same like impact that they normally do. Cause there was maybe some technical difficulties going on. Did, did you catch that? I am mine was really weird. Um, I didn't know if it was like an intentional way to change things up on I am mine. Cause when you think of that bridge where they start really ramping it up, it felt like Matt was really light on this. Like that's the whole thing that kind of threw me off. It felt like a guitar was out of balance, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. And it didn't have that power. It didn't have that build to get you in the final part of the song. And you know, there, it did have more of an acoustic vibe. So I wonder sitting down for thumbing my way, if they just kind of kept with that and went with it. I see what they were trying to do here, but I think if they did that, but built to the big moments, then I think it would have worked. I don't know if they were trying to rework it or not, or they found themselves in a situation where I Am Mine was sort of a good buffer song between Thumbing My Way and the next one. Not having the big bridge moment definitely hurt I Am Mine for me. Yeah, it felt a little off. This part of the set, this beginning of the encore is a little weird. They do get it figured out. It's it's short-lived. It just sounded a little off. Something was different. 
Yeah, and even the next one, it being only the second time played live, and we'll get into the circumstance as to why, but even the next one just felt like it kind of followed up on that, and then once you get into Black and Alive, it's back being on the road. Yeah. And speaking here, he says he has a friend who is one of the only people that he keeps in touch with from way back from when he was young, and says he's getting married while they're on tour, and of course, Ed can't make the wedding because of the gig, so what he says... I'm going to blame the crowd as individuals kind of mentions a little bit about a flaw in his personality to blame everyone else for his own shortcomings, but mentions, I'd like you to have to say something to our friends, Jack and Jenny. So here's going to be the first one on the count of three, one, two, three. We're sorry, Jack. Sorry Sorry that we missed the wedding. All right, let's do another one. John, you with me on this one, one, two, two, Three. Three. All right, that's a nice little dedication to the bride right there. Okay, we have another one that we're doing. Okay, ready? One, one two, two, three. three. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> nice little nod to the newlyweds, of course. Very, very fun. And now we get another one, which is going to be the loudest that we have. So another, let's go. One, one two, two, three. Three. Eddie's an asshole, ladies and gentlemen. As he says, you guys were curiously louder on that one. Now he wants everybody to hold their lighters up for Jack and Jen. And on the count of three, say, we love you, Jack and Jen. So one, one two, two, three. three. We- That's beautiful. Thank you very much. With the help of Slater Kinney, who's coming out right here, we'd love to play a wedding song dedicated to Jack and Jen and all the other newlyweds that are here this evening. And that song is going to be Harvest Moon. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the history of this. We cannot play the music because of Neil Young, and we are still sticking to that with the Spotify rules and everything like that. Unfortunately, we would love to play Harvest Moon. It's one of the greatest songs of all time, in my estimate. One of my favorites, at least. But... This is kind of considered to be the era for Harvest Moon around 2005, and this is only the second time that they played it. And there's an asterisk by that, because the first time it was played in a Pearl Jam set was really only Neil, Eddie, and Peggy, and that was at Toledo 2004. There was no other band members or anything like that that were on stage. That was during you know Neil's run the big set at the end there. So... Now they're trying it on their own. They're bringing out Corin and Carrie to, to do some backups. They do a tremendous job on that. And then this is really for Ed, because Neil sang the last one, and Ed and, Ed and Peggy were doing most of the backups on that version, that this is really the first time that Ed has taken a true stab at it. And it's got some hiccups to it. It's not the cleanest version at all. But the thing I took out of it the most was how genuine this version was and how you can tell that he wanted to send something to his friends that was deep from the heart and hopefully something that they got to listen to and got to dance to at some point. So it was a really, really nice dedication, really, really nice tribute. And they do it a couple more times this year. And you can really consider this to be the cover of 2005, if you want to say that. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, it's definitely still had some of the awkwardness from the previous two, but they do get it figured out. And like you said, Sleater Kenny sounds great on it. It's it's a nice song, like kind of a change of pace for a Pearl Jam show. It kind of takes everybody out, and it's like kind of a sweet moment. So I like it here. I, I, I'm with you. I, I like the song a lot. So it's great. I think there there are better versions that, that they would get to later. But yes. you're definitely seeing the start of that here. With Sleater Kenny, obviously, they're going to be the catalyst for this. They're going to come out, I think, almost every single time and do the backups. So they get some of the credit for this. And you know what? I think the Ottawa show a couple of days later, as we mentioned before, I think that one has a really good version of this. So yeah. it happens a good amount after this. So Ed goes and thanks Uncle Neil for loaning the song to him. And then they're going to go with some crowd favorites after this. And really, you know, we're going into black. And, and as we've heard with the first three songs, this is kind of like a very easy go and a very light encore one and it's going to be a complete upside down scenario once we get to the second encore but black which you wouldn't really at some points consider to be like more on the mellow side it's the era of the gretch stone's gretch is here and it's a great compliment to the sound on harvest moon too you're still feeling that very soothing vibe almost that romantic kind of vibe and yeah, I, I, I thought that Black was terrific at the show. There's great crowd moments singing the whoa, I'm spinning. And then Ed changing the lyric. I think he changed it to laid spread out before us. Mm-hmm. So that was different. I don't think we've heard that before. And then it's just like that holding out that line on that all I'll be. He's, he's going for it on that. And that sounds fantastic. It feels like a big moment for that crowd. And they definitely react to it. You always love talking about these kind of versions of black, so go for it here. Definitely, yeah, very, very nice. And I think that it was helped by the fact that, you know, you, you started off with two Riot Act songs and then, you, you know, a cover that they hadn't done a lot. So, again, the crowd was looking for something to latch onto in this encore here. And, yeah, black shows up at the perfect spot. Yeah, just one of those kind of timeless classic versions of black i thought it was very very nice whenever you get a gretch version mike has a very soulful letting the effects on his guitar just kind of pour the emotion out into the story it's such a perfect fit for it and then the crowd singing those do to do do's right at the end and a very very light plane ending before you're gonna get them revved back up for something like alive i thought it was really just masterclass, well done this whole entire set list as you mentioned like everything and the momentum followed on every single song it's very hard to get that but you know as far as songs go it was a great and perfect set in, in that standpoint but as far as where they were placed it was just as good this was a phenomenal show for that broken glass the was everything oh
alive is here it's going to end your set and what are you going to do where there's no alive there's no ports there's no even flow in the show encore two what the heck is going to happen right and it's a good version of Lied that's closing it out. And you got to hear kind of Ed sarcastic. Of course there is. And he falls up. He's like, Jesus. It's pre-storytellers moment. So you still have a little bit of the kind of the eye roll with the song, I think. But, you know, Alive still follows up with that groove that was back in Spin a Black Circle and Save You an Animal that we talked about before. And a nice extended piece at the end where Stone is really mixing a lot of different strumming patterns in. I thought it was a pretty good version. This is another one where Cameron really was impressive. You did see the crowd start to do some of the fist pumps, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You were getting to that storyteller's moment. Yeah, 2005 is is interesting for Alive. It's definitely kind of back on the upswing a little bit. But yeah, a really good groove for Stone, and I thought Cameron was very impressive on it. All right, that takes us to the second encore. We're going to kick off the second encore with more toasts, ladies and gentlemen. Another toast to Hamilton. He's obviously taking a swig after that, and he's saying, you know, tomorrow's another day off. I'm going to pay for this, you know. And it's just like, all right, fuck it, another toast to Hamilton. So we're at, I lost count, but I think it's like six or seven by this point, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot. And it's not the last we're, one. We're on two hands now. So as I mentioned before, with how the Encore 1 sort of all played out, it was more kind of the lighter acoustic sort of stuff. This is the exact opposite here. And I think the crowd really wanted something like last exit and go. I think they were really waiting to go off again because these ones you were able to hear, like the crowd was just revved up for these. This is very good. However, we have to talk about go because it was fun to listen to. I will say that that much. And I wish we had some video for it because I would love to see what the hell was going on during it. But Ed had one too many toasts. This is where it all culminates, where you can say one toast is pretty good, couple toasts, you can do that. Maybe seven is too much. Because Go, I think, was the fallout of all that. That's right. Toast and ends up ruining the wedding at the end. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, it's a lot of fun. Oh, he's it, having a great time. Accidentally, the drums in the beginning like extend a little bit longer, and we don't get the right into the lyrics kind of part. But boy, he 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 doesn't even sing some of the chorus. You know, you could see him on stage almost, probably like almost like spinning around in a circle or something like that. And then once his part comes up, he's like, ah. and he just kind of does some random shit and you know it's ed and i'm sure everybody was in the crowd wanted to see something like that and they were into it and you know that ed doesn't really drink like that at shows anymore you can kind of tell because the party atmosphere has sort of died down a little bit in the way that you can tell that nobody on the band has has overly drank i mean they're 57 years old jeff is almost 60 so you got to go at it a little bit slower at this age but to see it back here when they're you know fresh in their early 40s i believe is just yeah it's it's wild to say it's fun 
the shows have it's become like the celebration, but it's become a more reserved celebration now. The party shows are, I think, in the past. I think you're right. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. I know you want to talk about this next song, and it's in my tree, ladies and gentlemen. And here, all I have to say about this version is that it feels like a hybrid of what we know more of the original version to be and what the alternate version from Fargo, from MSG, the 2003 version is. It starts out, and I thought that at first, I thought that it was going to be the alternate version because the tone on the guitar was the same that they had in, in 2003. But then I thought like the first few verses sounded pretty normal. They weren't kind of holding it out a little bit longer. It kind of sounded like it was being strummed a little bit normal. And then going into the chorus, the chorus is the same as those 2003 versions. And I don't think I've ever heard this kind of hybrid with this song before. Have you? A couple of times. They, they were doing it a lot on this little run. But yeah, I absolutely love this. The, the thing that gets me is there's a boom solo. I think you mentioned earlier there's a yeah. moment coming up. This, this, this yeah, is it. A, a, a great keyboard solo there. But I I love what Jeff is doing with the fills. You can kind of hear him doing some, like, not really noodling, but adding some little moments, uh, like little fills on the bass. Sounds great. Um, it's a little boom, 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 that kind of thing. Yep, yep little runs sounded fantastic and yeah a, a nice surprise here in, in encore two after those fast ones because after last and go you think okay like now you're gonna get to the covers and we're gonna start winding this thing down but no getting in my trees in encore two is fantastic I, yeah yep. i love this yeah it's more fan service because they know that in my tree they don't play it a whole lot and they know the fans requested a lot and they still do small town if not we'll move on and i'm sure they're looking at their set list right here and they're like okay what do we got to cut what do we got to keep and small town probably being one that they're like if the crowd wants it then we're going to keep going on with it i wonder what their alternate plan could have been but yeah everybody wanted it except for a couple jerks in the crowd that you can hear (laughs) say no 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 and i think you're in hamilton you got to do small town i think they were always yeah But here's the thing. Most of these places in Canada, you have to do small town, right? And it says to another crew member here, give me a bottle. There might be another toast and we're out. I think the crew should have said, you're cut off, buddy. (laughs) You're done. (laughs) 
eight is enough. You're out, buddy. Like, come on. You got a couple more songs left. Just get through them without a little alcohol, right? Yeah, there, there's a reason the venue stopped serving in like the third <laughs> quarter. <laughs> but that, that doesn't apply to being on stage, evidently. Right. And look, Ed Put doesn't get Gatorade, at least. Right. Ed, Ed doesn't have to drive the bus home. True. Let's just say that much. So that's that's a good thing. But we get the small town and we get a couple really good crowd moments in it. I, I think it kind of takes on the same sort of personality that Go has. It's a little bit haphazardly, like there's some things that are a little bit off, but nobody's really paying attention to that. That's why he gives it to the crowd so many times that, okay, you do it because I'm lost here a little bit. Yeah. So the thing about small town that I want to mention is that it's going into indifference. And I've been a proponent for a very, very long time of getting small town in this sort of section, either closing a show with it or the penultimate song of the night. And I would have been totally fine in, in this show if small town and indifference would have closed it. Maybe this isn't the exact show to do that in because it's more of the party atmosphere as we talked about before, but small town in, into indifference is just something they're both on verses, but they're not back to back. You got leash in front of them, but it just has that, like it eases into it. Like you have a sing along and indifference is going to be a sing along, but it's going to be a stark sing along. So it just has a perfect balance between the two. And I don't think they'd ever do it anymore because I think they kind of covet small town in other places, but I would love to see this combo close a night anytime. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely earned a spot there. It's, it's one of their biggest songs and maybe their biggest crowd participation song. It's interesting that it's never closed a proper show. I think it did one of the bridges in 2010. It, it closed. Yeah, right. But, uh, but we're, that, that doesn't really count. It, it would be interesting to see if, if they had ever really closed with it and give the crowd that big moment at the end and kind of like play it out a little bit and like let that be the, the big closing moment of the show. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But yeah, here, like, yeah, absolutely. It's earned its place in Encore 2, and I can see it there. Give the crowd one last moment before you send everybody home. And what I'll say about the whole small town being at the end of a set, the, the reason why I kind of thought about that is the Orpheum release on vinyl. The last disc ends with small town, and that ends the set, I believe, that show ended with something else. It might have ended with indifference for all I know, but that's the last thing you hear on that record. So you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of a nice way to do it and say goodbye, even though it, it wasn't the last song. So that's where they'd the idea comes from. They'd have to change it to I Just Want to Scream Goodbye. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that right there. Look, I think we've come up with some great – one of the great things – that I'm proud of bringing up on this show is the idea that whenever they play elderly woman to the back, you got to say they play behind the counter, but whether if they ever close with it, I think, yeah, you're right. I just want to scream goodbye right there. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Indifference is great here. Again, the combo is perfect, but you know, it's a party atmosphere. And again, Ed knows when the crowd is going to sing, gives it to him, lets them have it. It's an amazing moment. And it's leading you into the party songs after that. And it's going to be a party out there on stage. Lights are on. Slater Kinney's out. We got a day off tomorrow, so leave it all out there. He says hopefully the crowd can get off tomorrow too. Once again, there's another one of these things, and they're they're toasting uh, their uncle here. And that's where they're going to get into rocking in the free world. 
Corn's going to get to do her part on Rockin', which is always welcome. What was cool with that was that Ed was doing like the emphasis on every other word where she's like, she put her kid away, away, gonna get a hit, hit. Like he's doing kind of all these like little, almost like sporting arena chants with it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was kind of cool. Kind he's of a unique thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. Just giving her a little extra meat on that. But yeah, everybody like Ed takes a Canadian flag, drapes it over himself. Corin puts on a team Canada Gretzky Jersey. So everybody's in good spirits. Janet was helping out Cameron with the drums and even like jumping on the little microphone to sing as well. Mm-hmm. Carrie Brownstein had a guitar, was rocking out with Stone. I think that that was a cool part of these Sleater Kenny shows too, is when she would come out, her and Stone would always kind of have a yeah. little jam. That, that was cool to see. But the story on Rockin' in the Free World is is the Stone Gossard solo. My God, can that dude rip. This is on par with what McGreedy can do. And I know that's saying something, but just, oh my God, listen to Stone on Rockin' in the Free World. Take that solo. He's just ripping it apart. It was really fun to see. We also get a kindler, gentler, fucked up American hand on that. And then Jeff gets on the drum riser at the end, which is always a cool yep. visual. He loves doing that. So... Let better finishing off. Crowd goes nuts the minute they play it. And these are these are two that we have video for, so we're able to see things. And obviously 2005 is really a mixed bag when it comes to that, but crowd is just going nuts for Ledbetter. It's their last point to sing. It's their last point to celebrate. They get a moment in this too where they're kind of singing back to Ed and just a fun show. It it seemed like they were just so excited to be there, and they probably came out of this show saying, Our little town of Hamilton just got something that felt so massive and maybe other bands that kind of sneak in when they're doing Canadian dates kind of go up there and they're like, all right, we've got to play this little podunk kind of place. And I don't think it really is a podunk kind of place, but some, I'm sure some acts kind of put it out that way instead of playing a Toronto or a Montreal kind of place. But they left the door wide open for Hamilton. And that's probably like we mentioned before, big reason why they're coming back because they were able to make a lot of really really great moments happen there that's why the show is important to talk about yep the cielo led better too it falls into that you know 2003 to 2008 kind of the war lyric versions where he's throwing in stuff about the iraq war and throwing in stuff like coming in the box or the bag and like he definitely was improving stuff around this time it's a unique time for yellow led better because he was he was doing that almost every night they were playing it all right we're done with the show so let's find three moments that we really liked about it. John, take it away. Uh, my number three is present tense. My number two is in my tree. And my number one, I mean, I mentioned, I think it's probably the best version I've ever heard. I'm going to give you the number one hmm. spot this week. Okay. Very cool there. I have to give an honorable mention to Porch. It's not going to be in my three, but when you think about you know, moments that really stand out in this. And what's crazy is that we talked about Porsche a lot in the beginning for a little while. And we're at this point now where I forgot about it. Almost you go through this whole entire set and it's like, everything is so good. Everything fits. It's it's perfect. That it's almost like, Oh, porch opening is an afterthought almost you would never think that that would be possible but people probably do remember this as being the porch opener show it's not going to be my three but it is a fantastic moment just because of the shock value of course i'm gonna do is number three you know i liked the modern girl tag 
off of Better Man. I'm going to give it that because some point we'll do London, Ontario, but who the hell knows when it's going to happen. You know, this could be the only time in the next three years or so where we get to see this. So I'm all in for kind of the rare stuff and sort of the unique things that, that they do. And that's definitely, definitely one of them. Number two, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with in my tree is number two. I just love the mix on this version, a little bit of a hybrid as I mentioned, and and boom 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 baby. That's all you gotta know. Number one for me is present tense. One of the great versions of this song, one of the many, many. And yeah, just revved up in there at the end. Exactly what you want, the the big cathartic moments from this. Excellent, 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 excellent show. Let's get to put a rating on it. What do you think? This is tough because I, like I mentioned earlier, I absolutely love this main set. I mean, you go down the list, save you, spin the black circle, given to fly, sad, you, corduroy, half full, Lucan, insignificant, present tense, untitled MFC, rearview mirror. Like, you just listed all my favorite songs there. Like, this has everything that I want in a show. I'm going to give it a very high rating. I think it doesn't get to the very high echelon because of the kind of awkwardness of the beginning of Encore 1. Some of the excessive toasting, we'll say, kind of leads into it a little bit. I'm going to give this one a 9. It's a, I think it's a solid 9. And again, this this 2005 run is, is very, very good. I don't think there's going to be anything on there that's going to be low for me. Yeah, I'm between a 9 and a 9.5, and and I think I am going to give it a 9. The only reason being is that, like, 9.5s are usually shows that really get talked about a lot. And it is so hard for a small show like this. And and if this show was in, this the era hurts it a little bit, too, because I think that there were so many that were kind of like it, even though... All of these songs have probably never been in the, the set together like this. Present Tense and Untitled MFC, like, you're not going to get that a lot. Sad Into You, you're, you're not going to get that a lot. So I think this era, they were able to kind of change things up and, and create a couple sets that looked like this. But I think if this show was played in like a 2013 to 2014, it is talked about as an all-timer just because of you know the way that things kind of ended up you don't get sets like this in the later eras of Pearl Jam but you get something close if this was around something like a Moline and Milwaukee and Denver kind of in 2014 I think people would be talking about this too that's that's a great run right there so I think that is very picky way of deciding between a nine and a 9.5. And that's where I am with a nine and nine is just a, a wonderful show, a show that I'm going to talk about whenever I talk to people, you know, whenever somebody brings it up and be like, of course I listened to that show. I know what happened, of course. And it is a classic one. It's a classic, but I'm saying it is a classic as somebody that enjoys all aspects of this band and, and you as well that enjoy that, like the minutia of it. But for people that it gets passed down, does it get talked about a whole lot? Well, it deserves to be, but I don't hear a lot of people that weren't actually living in Hamilton talk about this show too often, but guess what? You listen to this episode. You can talk about this a little more. You got double nines out there. That means it's a show you need to listen to. That's it. That's all you need to know. Speaking of shows you need to listen to, John, what are we doing next week? It's usually me that's kind of explaining the whole thing. I'm going to give it to you for this one because I think you have a connection with this one, I think. A little bit, a little bit. 
Yeah, next week we're going to be covering the first Pearl Jam show that I attended back in 1998 on, on September 1st in Atlanta. This one brings back a lot of memories for me. Uh, it was kind of the culmination of the years of, of fandom that I had under my belt at that point. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting it and talking about everything that, that happened around the show. And I, it's another one of those 1998 ones that's pretty sneaky good. It's, I think it's going to be a fun one to talk about. We got the East Earls that we get to talk about too, which the, is the ultimate OTOTO. Mm-hmm. Definitely never ever happening again. But yeah, it's been a long time since we've gotten a perspective straight from the show that one of us have went to. And I'll just say, you know, that's going to be episode 199. And the next week we will get another episode that one of us has went to as episode number 200. So get excited for these things, you guys. Just get excited because we're in show territory right here. This is the best time of year. Hopefully your guys' intake of the live stuff that's going on right now is is just like at a fever pitch because that's where it's supposed to be. And I like to think that our job is kind of guiding you on that little journey and helping you if you're looking on Twitter at nine o'clock at night and you see number three in the set list is X X song or something like that, then you're like, okay, I'm on board with this. Let's follow along. The hope is that everybody gets to really celebrate this band at the end because they deserve some celebration right now, of course, and always. That's what we do here. All right. So as we mentioned on every single episode at the end, you can go into Spotify or go into Apple and rate us on Apple. You can leave a comment. And here's the thing for the last couple of weeks, I've said, leave a comment and we'll go out and we'll give you a free bootleg. I hadn't seen it. It was two weeks. I didn't see any comments. However, there was a brand new comment when I looked earlier today from Somebody that was Darth Vetter 9, I believe, was the name of, of the well account. Played. Look well played. Yeah, Darth Vetter 9. I'm going to read what he had to say, or she had to say, and that is, love listening to Randy and John break down the shows with not just passion, but knowledge. Finishing up any shows that I have been to, have bootlegs to, or shows that my dad has been to, and just going, start listening to ones I had never heard just to dive deeper. Thank you. That's a, such a, a yeah, kind great. thing to say. And since you did say something kind about us, we're going to do something kind for you. Send us an email live on forelegspodcast at gmail.com. We will send you a bootleg, you know, something from this year because that's that's fresh. You got to hear that stuff. So thank you so much, Darth Vetter. We'll get in touch at some point. And if you want a free bootleg, all you got to do is say something nice about us. Raise five stars. We're going to do it. We're here for that. So it helps out the show a lot. It sure does. Gives us some vis- visibility. And if that's something that you're passionate about, helping people out, then hopefully this is something that you'll uh, go to bat for us on. So thank everybody for listening in. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. Miss you always. John, what are we going to toast to to end this show? Eddie is an asshole. I wish I knew all of you by name as well. I just, I'm gonna make a general toast of you. Uh, looking good. Time out for a toast. Let's hear it for Slater Kenny for opening up the gig. Another toast. <laughs> Most of the people we've met have been in this kind of 
relationship and, and you've come to see music and we've come to play and, uh, but, and share it with you. It's been great. So we're a bit biased. We've met some incredibly nice people. You've all been very kind. But as a whole, you should be very proud of, our country, of your country and, and I can't wait till we can feel the same about ours. Yes. Another toast! To the singers in Hamilton, good work. Another toast! To donuts and coffee in Hamilton. Here's the aspirin. Let's have a toast to Jeff and Men. On the count of three, we love you, Jack and Jen. One, two, three. We That's beautiful. Thank you very much. My only idea to thank you is just another toast to Hamilton. You know, finally, tomorrow's the day off. I'm going to pay for this, you know. Another toast to Hamilton. Do you know what to say? One, two, three. I propose a toast. <laughs> I propose a toast to small town. Just a quick message to someone in the crew. Get me another bottle. There might be another toast. We're out. I propose a toast. To Canadian-born Neil.